Before we get going, I'd like to say thank you to the people and companies that support this show. The first is Bull Bitcoin. If you're buying Bitcoin in Canada, you should be doing it at Bull Bitcoin. It's a non-custodial exchange with a focus on privacy. When you make the order, you input your own self-custody receive address, which means as soon as the order is completed, it goes right to you. You don't assume any of the exchange risk. The guys at Bull Bitcoin are also behind BitcoinSupport.com. This is for those of you who need some help getting your self-custody arrangement set up properly in a manner that's both secure, but also easy to manage and engage with. They have a number of different packages available based on your needs. So check them out at BitcoinSupport.com and find the one that's right for you. Also, CoinKite, the makers of the famous cold card hardware wallet. The latest edition, the MK4, recently dropped. It has a USB-C connector, NFC tap functionality, dual secure elements, and lots of other great features that many of us have come to expect and love from ColdCard and CoinKite that help you to optimize your Bitcoin security setup. Visit coldcard.com to learn more about the MK4 and visit coinkite.com to learn more about all their other awesome products for helping you to secure and have fun with your Bitcoin. And lastly, I've been slacking a little bit on the value for value podcasting 2.0 stuff. Um, and for those of you who aren't familiar with what that is, there are certain podcasting apps that are available now as a result of uh, the functionality brought to Bitcoin by the Lightning Network that allows you to either stream sats as you listen to podcasts or tip or what's called boost. Um, you know, when you when you hear something that you really like, you can send a, a tip of 100 sats or 1,000 sats or whatever you want, really, to uh, the creator. And it goes directly to the podcast content creator. And I can certainly appreciate that uh, People may not want to let go of their sats uh, unless they absolutely have to. And of course, when they're receiving free content, they don't have to. But it has been very interesting to me to see that, you know, a non-insignificant number of people are actually willing to send and tip sats uh, for this content. One, obviously, because, you know, I think they value it. But two, I think many of us realize that this could very well represent a better model for supporting content creators in the future as we you know we exist in an era and potentially heading into uh, an era of even greater censorship that removing all potential censors from the creator and the audience will be vitally important and podcasting 2.0 is a means of doing that or at least getting the ball rolling and experimenting and see what might evolve from doing so so if you'd like to try that out, a really great, easy to use wallet can be downloaded at fountain.fm. And to sweeten the deal a little bit and to get people playing around with this uh, new method of, of consuming content, Fountain has agreed to give 50,000 Satoshis on four different occasions to a listener who sends a boostergram to a given show. So basically I'll be able to see all the boosts that come through and I'll pick one that I think is interesting or otherwise deserving of 50,000 sats and we'll send them to their uh, Fountain user account. Also for now, that's gonna be the primary domain where I interact with users. So if you have a suggestion for the show or if you have a question that you would like me to explore or a topic you'd like me to explore on the show, send that message as a boost and uh, you never know, it could make its way into the show. So check it out, any questions, comments, suggestions, uh, let me know, I'd love to hear them. And that's it, enjoy the show. Let's do it. All right, sweet, we're live. Cool.
So Sean, I gotta uh, say, it's it's a, an honor to be on your show. I've been a fan for a while. Oh, thank you, man. That's awesome to hear. I appreciate that. Um, I'm looking forward to talking to you. You know, it's I love doing these, you know, shout outs where I just say on Twitter, you know, who wants to jump on a on a pod sometime. And it's always so great to just connect with people that, you know, aren't as well known and aren't on the podcast circuit. But, you know, there's so many awesome Bitcoiners out there. And, you know, I love hearing about everyone's stories and what people are up to. So I appreciate you taking the time to to chat with me. Yeah, absolutely. And and yeah, the the plebcasts, they're they're my favorite because I love oh, really? just seeing yeah, just all of those random stories. Um that like like you said, it's people that aren't popular and they're not on the circuit. The those are a lot of the people I relate to. And throughout my journey, it's been like you you just wonder like if if I'm going through this, there has to be, you know, so many others going through it at the same time. And I'm so curious uh to to find out about that. And so that's why I think your show has been so great, um, like focusing on that and also focusing just on like the transformations that happen with people when when they encounter Bitcoin and kind of kind of what happens there, which is really one of the most amazing things. And, and the thing that's most relatable um, for me and, and my story kind of getting to where I am here. Yeah, well, we'll definitely break into that. But, you know, yeah. I definitely I agree with that one, just because, you know, people most people, if you're on the podcast circuit, like you've probably heard those same people a few times on different podcasts, right? So you can, there's less mysterious, like, you know, more about their background and, and they're kind of shtick. And maybe that's the reason why, you know, the plebcasts are, are kind of novel or interesting because they're novel, you know, people haven't heard from these people before, but what I'm finding, and it, you know, sounds like what you found and, and increasingly like many others is that it's so interesting to hear from people in all different parts of the world that are kind of converging on a similar perspective about what's going on and are, you know, are, as you said, are experiencing similar changes in their perspective. And as a result of that changes in their lives and their behavior. And, uh, you know, so, so often when I, when I do these, like, it's still, because I'm so wrapped up in this, I get to speak with Bitcoiners all the time, whether it's on the podcast or at a conference or something. And so like, it's becoming, I forget that so many Bitcoiners out there are still fairly isolated, like in their, in their lives, right? Like it, there's, they don't have that many people where they can just completely jam out on Bitcoin and go as far down the rabbit hole as they want to, because those people don't exist in, in their meat space life, you know? And so they, you know, they get their, um, their rocks off on Twitter or on, on whatever, but I, uh, I love being like a participant in the ability for people that don't often get to talk about how like interested and enthusiastic and how meaningful this is to people in their life. I, I love being the person that they get to do that with. So that's been an unintended uh, benefit of doing the, the, these sort of plebcast things. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. And, and I'm glad you mentioned kind of the isolation because in the public's Bitcoin sphere, whatever, we hear people talking about, you know, that the connection, how deep of a connection we all have and the sense of brotherhood and all that. But, you know, for a lot of people, for most people on their journey, they're, they're alone for most of it. And for the hardest part in the beginning, um, and maybe the whole world, their whole world around them is actually maybe resisting that, that journey and that transformation. And so, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's an important thing. I, I love it. And there's there's a hundred different ways we can also, you know, bolster, bolster up the plebs and just make this culture really happen. Totally. And, and, and I think the good thing is, is that if either because they were like this before and Bitcoin has emboldened them or, you know, they were especially kind of transformed by 
the whole Bitcoin phenomenon, but you know, like Bitcoiners seem to me to be well positioned to take the isolation and the heat, right? Like they're, they're the ones that are, are going to kind of plant their flag and it doesn't matter if they lose friends or family over it. Like they're going to, they're going to represent what they think is the most truthful and the most meaningful, you know, one of the most truthful and meaningful things going on. And that's been so beneficial in their life. And so they're not going to back down from that. But of course, like, you know, my opinion is that I can't really think of, it may be the case that relationships are the most meaningful thing that one can uh, accumulate in life, right? Stacking sats is one thing, but stacking honest, sincere, meaningful relationships is maybe the only thing that's more valuable than stacking sats. And, and to the extent that being isolated still kind of precludes that to a certain degree, or at least uh, is an impediment to it. I, uh, again, I, I just love that uh, I get the opportunity to, you know, connect with these people all over the world and kind of bring them in, bring them in. Well, certainly myself establish a relationship with people like yourself, which is amazing, but also get to, you know, showcase all these awesome Bitcoiners that are kind of just lurking in the shadows all over the world and, you know, bring them to light a little bit. I think it's, you know, it's just part of feeding into all of us getting to know one another and getting to assess one another's characters and, and that kind of thing. And as this thing unfolds. Totally. Yeah. And I, I guess you made a good point it really is those who are probably more fit to go against the grain. They're the, going to be the ones that come up early and they're going to be the ones that are kind of able to make the journey alone. It's almost um, a rite of passage person. in a sense, you know, it's like, if yeah. you, if you, if you can't shoulder the burden by yourself, like maybe, maybe you haven't earned like uh, entry into you know, the good part, right? It's almost like we all have to go through that hero's journey of being the, uh, you know, the black sheep or, you know, whatever you want to call it and, and going through the criticism and maintaining conviction despite that. And then, you know, coming out the other side and realizing, holy shit, there's like tens of thousands of people that are, that are like that as well. And, you know, it's such a pleasure to connect with them after you've, you've shouldered that burden or gone through that journey yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I was just so curious when I was, you know, first, when I first noticed that Bitcoin was really like changing, for one, changing some of my most core beliefs and changing what I wanted to do in my life, how I saw things, how I was acting. I was just thinking like, there, there has to be, if this is happening to me, there must be like 10,000 other people in, in similar positions as I, maybe similar age as I, that are going through the same thing. And if that's the case, and, and I wanted to find out, I wanted to know, because I was like, if that's the case, then that speaks to really how true this is and how potent this is. Um, and just more and more that's, that's been confirmed for me. Yeah. Have you ever, you know, participated in any meat space Bitcoiner event or anything like that? No, um, I am, I'm actually going to very soon in, in Austin, I'm just about to move to Austin. Sick. So that's obviously where a lot of the stuff is happening, but, um, I have lived in Oklahoma city my whole life. Um, and so there was no Bitcoin meetups there for a while. And I've just been here in Utah for about a year ever since I, um, got my first software job. And of course, now that I moved over here, they have the first, uh, Oklahoma <laughs> Bitcoin conference, which is awesome. I'm glad, but up here and in a lot of places, like I searched, but it was all blockchain and crypto. And I was like, okay, that sounds like more of a punishment than, than something <laughs> yeah. worth my while. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, you know, I've, I've been hearing rumblings about Oklahoma that, you know, 
of course, a lot, a lot of stuff is popping off in Texas and the mining and around Austin and that kind of stuff. And a lot of companies are locating there. But, you know, some people are a little bit, you know, Texas is a little too blue or at least Austin, you know, that kind of vibes. And um, and I've I've some people have told me that they're they're loving the vibes in Oklahoma, uh, especially Tulsa, actually. Yeah, um, I mean, Tulsa and Oklahoma say that's all there really is unless you want to live off the grid. But it, Oklahoma, it's a pleb state. You know, there's there's a few of these states that they've been discounted and you just haven't had a lot of ec economic activity, haven't had a lot of things happening for them for a very long time. Uh, Oklahoma is right in the middle of that. And, but now like, you know, as, as, as we kind of believe in this, in this transition, we're going from a more top-down paradigm where it makes sense to have all the economic activity and all the people squish into these small areas. But really we, I mean, I see it that this is going to distribute and um, decentralize really in Oklahoma and a lot of people are talking about Nashville and just like these, these, these smaller states that people don't think about, they're going to become very powerful, especially in regards to mining. I mean, obviously the oil and natural gas resources in Oklahoma and Texas and is, is a pretty big driver for, for bringing in Bitcoiners. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see it unfold. Um, and I'm probably, you know, once I move to Texas, I'm probably going to stay in that part of the country for oh, wow. the next decade. Yeah. I wonder, I mean, you, you could probably comment on this, but do you think the fact that Oklahoma has such a large influence of like Native American, like reservations and population, do you think that lends itself to a more uh, distributed uh, or Citadel-esque or independent or like, do you think that influences the culture there much or what's the dynamic like? I don't think so. Maybe for the natives that live there and, you know, like they're kind of used to having their own community where they think of themselves, well, they are their own nations, right? They see themselves that way and they kind of try and, and bolster up their, their community in that sense. And so I think in a lot of ways, like natives, just in general, they're very attuned to, to Bitcoin and it's very useful for them. But yeah, I don't really see that having much of an impact on the culture in Oklahoma, except for just the general, you know, kind of Southern culture where people want to have a piece of land and a big truck and all that. Do you think, does it, and I know very little about um, the regulations and laws around this stuff, but do you think that Bitcoiners at some point will be able to piggyback or integrate into those nations where there are less, there's less federal, like overbearing control in some capacity? Like I, I, I'm assuming those nations are like more autonomous to some degree. Is, is, am I right in that? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I don't see why not. Like once, if they do start to adopt a Bitcoin standard, it makes sense. It's like, hey, this, this can benefit us. You know, we don't need any middle third parties. Um, we can take in people straight into our nation or into our communities or whatever they have set up and right. they can just get paid directly for it. And so, you know, I, I could see there being an incentive there that really develops, but tons early of, days. yeah, so early um, people, as much as people in Oklahoma and in the South are probably well attuned for Bitcoin, they're also by nature of what information they're exposed to, um, some of the last people to really hear about it 
So yeah, like I've, you know, told just about everyone in my life in Oklahoma <laughs> about Bitcoin. And the only people I've been able to get along on the ride with me is my, my parents, thank God. And, um, my wife as well and and that took years you know years of me telling my parents all of this crazy stuff (laughs) that I was that I was hearing from bitcoiners and in 2017 and 2018 and and in the 2020s when all this stuff with COVID started to happen um they really started to come around and and started to listen to me and and so now there's they're saving in sats I I helped them get uh, some auto stacking set up onto a hardware wallet. And so it's just like, uh, such, such a relief. <laughs> That's the best, man. That's so best when like, it's so great when yeah. <clears throat> the penny, not only because they're actually, you know, uh, setting themselves up to, for a better future or to weather, whatever turmoil, uh, might, you know, might be coming, but also just like, there's a there's a smaller distance between the two of you right like before you're just this you know you're the crazy kid and they're like oh my god what is our our son up to what is he thinking like you know and now Mm -hmm. like and those those things come together where they start to see the rationale behind what you've been saying and the solution that you've been putting forward and then you know they actually agree to it at least to some degree and they they participate in it and you know now you can have even you know we were saying earlier maybe you don't have that many bitcoiners in your around you in your meat space meat space life but man it's great you know whenever you have sunday dinners or get together with with your family that you can actually you know have that conversation a little bit and talk about bitcoin and talk about what's happening economically and so and and i i'm saying all this because i uh orange pilled my parents as well mm-hmm. my dad my dad before my mom but even my mom now is on board and it's so great cuz uh yeah, you get to connect over something that you think is super important. And, you know, there's a few things better than that, the connecting with people you love over things that you find most meaningful. Yeah. And I, and I think of the people, if they really love you, um, they'll see the fruit, right? If they really love you and there's fruit, they'll see that. And that will be, you know, that'll have you question yourself. Like, Hey, all this, all this is changed in this person's life. Like maybe, maybe there's something to what they're saying. Yeah. And I think all the time, if, if someone told me what some of the things that I tell people when I'm, you know, trying to get them interested in Bitcoin, um, such as that, you know, get off zero. If you're if you're on zero, you're in a dangerous position, um, or that you know, the whole global economy is in question. Um, is if someone told me those things, I would probably think about it at least a little bit. I would be like, wow, if that's true, you know, that's a pretty. It's kind of like Pascal's wager. It's like, well maybe I should put some kind of eggs in that basket. Maybe I should do a little bit of extra research and think about it. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's really hard. People just have so, so very little interest. Um, but, but the, I think I, there's, there's, there's such outlandish claims too, or even if they're not even like full on claims, like, I think, you know, the, the proof is in the pudding, which is why it's interesting that the, you know these beneficial i think broadly speaking beneficial um individual or personal changes are occurring in tandem with you know the bitcoin thesis playing out because it does lend credibility to what you're saying to the people that you're saying it to like if you were just some wacko like you know saying crazy shit and you know, your life was a mess and like you know relationships were terrible and health was terrible and like you know you're, you're not a, if you were not a very credible person and you were saying things that were kind of crazy then you'd be dismissed very easily but you know if you can 
even though you're saying things that to some ears are quite outlandish, but if you can do so in a rational and a logical way, and, and that sort of approach or perspective is represented throughout different areas of your life and people can see the benefit of your perspective. And then, you know, you quote unquote succeeding, you know, doing well in those different areas of life lends credibility to your assertions in this domain. And I think that helps at least leave the door ajar for people to not dismiss um, what you might be telling them outright or immediately. You know, you're, you're always going to get people that are just closed off to it. But the more that, yeah, I mean, the more that our life is oriented around the proper things and that we're pursuing them in, the, in, in, a, in a proper and productive and efficient and, and successful way, I think that lends credibility to, uh, you know, the Bitcoin pitch, pitches that we might be making. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like what you're describing, that's, that's the trope or the, the straw man that people make for like conspiracy theorists and more and more that's a, that's a growing and growing camp of logical thinkers are being called conspiracy theorists. Right. And that's kind of like implicitly, that's what they're trying to put on you is like this image of someone who doesn't know how to deal with the information in their environment and they get completely and totally captured and absorbed in it. And it is negative in their life. You know, how, yeah. how often are conspiracy theories uh, positive in someone's life, like a positive development? I mean, you know, maybe if they start a podcast, they become the, the major speaker on that one <laughs> yeah. subject or something, but for Unless the most you're part, Alex Jones, maybe it's probably not that beneficial, you know, to have yourself wrapped up in it. Yeah, but he's paid a price, price well, as well, true, it seems true, like, true. over yeah. the years digging into that stuff. But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's it's about the fruit. Um, and that's that's the stuff you can't fake. Yeah, that's a, such a good point. I 100% agree. Well, I mean, what is your your rabbit hole story? I mean, how, how did all this, you know, get kicked off for you? Yeah, so... Um, yeah, there's, there's probably so many different ways I can start from, but, you know, really in hindsight, how I see how I've lived most of my life, I've lived like, so high time preference, like probably the highest time preference that's, that's like viable for, you know, making it <laughs> my age. Like, um, I was so short term oriented my whole life. Um, I hated school. Um, I was only interested in what I was in, in what I was interested in, you know, I couldn't, I, I was a terrible procrastinator. I couldn't get myself to brush my teeth for years. Like I tried as a teenager, even like I, I couldn't get it. It would give me anxiety, but I couldn't still couldn't do it. And that's, that's kind of like how I felt about myself in a lot of ways throughout my life. Um, and the, the, the path I went down was kind of more of a creative and a music path. So since I was 15, I think I, I started playing in local bands in Oklahoma city, mainly metal bands, and then eventually kind of hardcore and punk bands. And so that was the only path for me in the world that I saw. Um, it was one of the only things I cared about. And, you know, I didn't think about the future really. I was just, just like this, or it's nothing, or my life is tr in the trash. Um, and, and so that kind of lined me up for being in a certain culture that is very, um, you know, very progressive, but really that, that progression becomes more and more um, the opposite, I guess. And, and I definitely saw that as I got older, but what really first 
got what really first planted the seed for me to start thinking about money was actually watching um, the Zeitgeist documentaries, if, if you've ever seen those. And I know we all love uh, Peter Joseph and the Bitcoin scene, but, you know, nonetheless, like I, I'm, I owe a lot to him for, for those documentaries and, and not that I agree with everything that's in them, but specifically the second movie he has, um, Zeitgeist Gundam, the whole opening sequence, like it's, I, I really suggest watching it if you haven't, um, it's like a 10, 20 minute opening sequence he basically breaks down where money comes from and like yeah. the, the process of the creation of money. And, and he tries to break it down in a very simple language, which is nice. But even at the time I, I understood so little about economics that I didn't really grasp on too much, except for the fact that every dollar that's created is created with a debt greater than a dollar. And that, that simple idea just got like planted in my mind. And at the time when I saw that, I was, I think, 17 or 18. And I was, um, and I had already dropped out of school at that point. I was like a terrible student. Um, I was homeschooled until um, I was 14, I think. And then I got thrown in the public school system. I went to public school for probably two years. And then I started skipping school, ended up dropping out as a sophomore. And you know, so everything educational and academic, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm leaving that behind. That door's closed. Um, and so, so let's see, I'm, uh, yeah, 17, 18, I'm out of school and I'm very, I'm very deranged about the world. Um, I see like the, the wealth inequality. And for me, it, it feels like theft. And, and this is why I, I relate so much to how people on the other side of the aisle see things because I, that's, that is how my mind developed. Those are the ideas that really like, um, my mind grew in, in, in the way that I saw the world. And so, and so, yeah, I'm just, I'm really deranged about things. And then, and then I watch this documentary and then I kind of get this idea in my head that the whole global economy is, is going to crash. Like, like if we're creating a, if we're creating more than a dollar's debt for every dollar we create, like you can only do that for so long. Like I knew that such a simple idea. So it was like, we're, we're continually adding fragility into this. At the same time, the world is getting worse or it's how it seemed from my perspective. More wealth is getting into fewer hands and more people are suffering. Um, and really that's, that's actually kind of a short-term short viewpoint right there, but that's, that's how I saw things. And so... And so, yeah, what do you do when you, when you, when you get those ideas, but you're completely powerless? Um, what, what can you do? Like, you're kind of just like, okay, well, everything's fucked and I'm just going to move on and like focus on myself. And so that's what I did, but that thought never left me. It was always, it was always like kind of deep inside of me. And, and I kind of had like almost a little bit of pride that's like, the, the kind of dumb pride that, that someone who's just a, a critic has where I was just a critic of everything, mm -hmm. um, especially when it came to the economy. Right. And I love to talk about how it's all bullshit and it was all rigged. So very much that person sounds like someone who's a little bit set up for Bitcoin. And, um, but I definitely wasn't set up to go into software, but yeah, I mean, 
someone who's been extremely important on my journey is, has been Jordan Peterson. And I know for you, that's definitely true. And so many others in, in the Bitcoin space. And, you know, like I, I was not ready to hear what he had to say at first by any means, but once my mind was in a place where I was ready to start looking at other ideas, um, I found him and, and it kind of clarified everything for me and in, in the life that I was living. Um, and really the important thing that, that I really got from him was about nihilism and kind of about that. I saw nihilism as a, you know, as a way that you choose to see the world and live your life. But Peterson, he very much frames it as nihilism is the outcome of when you are unwilling to take responsibility for what's in your life. It's, it's the natural ending place. It's the natural outcome that really stuck with me because I saw my life going down that road and tons of other people I knew. And, and yeah, like my, my, my family, like I've had kind of a rough family history a little bit, um, lots of addiction in my family. My father was addicted to, um, like amphetamines, um, starting with back, starting with a terrible corporate job, back pain, hating his life, starting to take pills and it all goes down from there. And so I watched that happen when I was a teenager, that slow descent. And the same thing happened with both of my older brothers and, and they've both been struggling with addiction for over a decade. And so with my family and just the, the tons of other people in my world that were involved in the hardcore and the punk scene and all sorts of abused and broken people that are kind of coming together in, in a community and, and um, connecting and, and getting this energy out. And, and, you know, it's a very positive thing, but I just saw, I saw this as being true. I saw that most people end up down this path um, and few people actually make it. And by make it, I mean, they don't build their own personal hell. <laughs> and that's enough of, you know, not making it to, to really want to make it. Um, so yeah, a lot, uh, a lot of things there, but um, that was kind of like all of these things building up in the background. And, you know, I, the most important switch that happened in my head to where I was open to first hearing about Bitcoin was I basically decided that I wanted to be happy and there's nothing wrong with that. And, and, you know, I, I never would have said that I don't want to be happy or that I don't deserve to be happy, or I would, would have never said the opposite out loud, but I realized that that belief was in me implicitly and that it had built up from all of this kind of derangement in this way of seeing humans as a plague, as a problem, as um, broken from the start and tainted by sin completely. And, um, and so, yeah, like I decided, you know, I want to be happy and that's okay. And, and when I thought about that more, when I dug into that thought, I realized like, I want to be wealthy and that's okay. And that was really the hardest one because that's saying that like, I, uh, you know, like I am willing to step up to responsibility and then take the rewards, the potential rewards for that, and then handle it with, you know, with responsibility, with care and make it a positive something in the end. I, I guess that's, that's really the difference is like, I saw wealth as this wholly negative sum 
And I switch, I switch that tune to realizing that it's actually positive sum. And that since it's positive sum, it's actually almost a moral duty for me to go do as much as I can. Um, and so kind of, kind of those, those all didn't happen at once. They happened across time, but you know, I, I, I was just starting from zero and I took Jordan Peterson's simple advice of like, write out your personal hell and then write out your personal heaven. And I, and I did that and I never thought about that before. And when I wrote out what my most ideal perfect future would be, it was essentially, um, I'm, I'm free. I have free time. I'm making things of value to others. Um, I have enough wealth to be okay. And I'm connected um, in community with people I love and I'm connected with a God, whoever God is, whatever that, that deepest truth is. And I realized like, this is what I really want in my heart of hearts. And this is actually a good thing. And that was very groundbreaking. With that perspective, when I heard about Bitcoin for the first time, I was just so open. My mind was open. I was listening for, for anything, any kind of an opportunity. What can I do? What can I be a part of? And I literally overheard someone talking about Bitcoin at my job at the time at Panera Bread, saying like their brother was mining. I didn't really know what that meant at all, but it just, it sounded like an opportunity. And so I got home that day and I, I searched it on YouTube and I started to learn and I never stopped. That's fucking awesome, dude. Um, and like so much of that story, uh, you know, resonates with me a lot. And I, I think a lot of other people because, you know, I, you know, one of the things that resonates is like, I used to feel, well, kind of like, kind of like you, you know, you recognize everything's fucked, right? Like whether it's, you know, you watch a movie like Zeitgeist and that just plants a seed and then you end up like investigating further into all these things and you come to a pretty strong conclusion like, oh, the world is fucked and most people are retarded and everything's wrong and everyone's asleep and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but then like, unless you're, and, and like for me, it was the case that I didn't see how that could be turned around. So, you know, the terminology I often use is the very same one that you use. It's like, well, I'm, I'm just gonna, you know, try to muddle through and get mine and, and, and you know, not have much of a broader purpose, but there was always an element of me that like, even if I didn't always consciously uh, recognize or appreciate it, that was like, no, this isn't it. Like there's, there's something grander or greater or more truthful or more coherent or congruent with the, the better parts of you that is available. And even though it seems like you can't see it anywhere right now, like keep the faith basically uh and so don't don't let go entirely right don't go to full nihilism or full, full sleep node full sleep mode or full like i don't care or full or full, or full egotism like keep the faith there there's there's something good on the horizon and that's tough and i think a lot of people you know the world and the different roles that they're forced to conform to just, you know, beat them into the, the shapes of those forms. And they kind of let go of any notion that it could be different. And so like it, when they're in their job, maybe they're like, they hear someone talking about whatever Bitcoin or spirituality or whatever it might be, that could be an avenue to enhance the clarity or the, the meaning in one's life. They're not even paying attention because they've already kind of given up. But I, I feel like a lot of us in Bitcoin, 
like those attention feelers were still alive to some degree, right? And they were they were waiting. They were trying to like sense something, a way to come across something. And then you know, thankfully, you, somehow you get exposure to Bitcoin, and because you still give a fuck that there might be something more, you don't let it go so easily. You you dig into it. You learn about it a little bit more. And if you can just do that, you know, um, it seems like. Well, Bitcoin is an endless rabbit hole, right? And there's so much to learn and, it, and it's related to so many different things that that, that starts to uh, generate an avenue of greater meaning. And, you know, so I guess there's a bunch of elements of your story that I'd, I'd love to ask you about. But yeah. one of the, I think one of the critical components of Bitcoin that helps people reorient their lives is that it becomes a mechanism by which they can see the world could be vastly different than their prior conception of it. And so in this case, it's, you know, I, I look at the world, I learn about the world, the money system, the big business, government, all that kind of stuff, military industrial complex, it looks totally fucked. And so why that's not a very inspirational thing on the horizon to call you forth and bring, you know, extract your potential, et cetera. But once you start to see that this little mechanism, if you can change this thing, then what could lay on the horizon could be far more compatible with what you would think to be right and good and beautiful and all those other superlatives. So when was it that, and, I, and so I think that's largely responsible for the transformations we referred to when we started is that like you begin to see a far more bright or hopeful future on the horizon. And of course that's more inspiring to, to get you to uh, transform or, or, conform yourself in various ways to meet that or to, to avail of the opportunity that that represents. So when was it that, uh, that kind of clicked for you that what was when, when you conceived of the future, it went from being, you know, this big dark mess that couldn't get rectified to something different. Yeah. And it, I, it's really that immediate incentive that Bitcoin gives you, which is number go up, but, that it wasn't a short-term thing for me because I didn't have leverage in the short term, right? Whatever I did, it had to be a long-term plan. And I knew that because I was starting with almost nothing. And so, you know, finding Bitcoin and, and you realize some of the first things you learn about it, proof of work. The first time I saw that phrase proof of work, it was like fascinating. Um, and, and when I learned about it, cause I was like, wow, we're like, we're taking in energy on a network and like verifying it like all across the world and putting it into this scarce digital asset like so so weird just like so outside of the bounds of anything you've ever thought about but um and so yeah like the fact that it was scarce it's just like the simple idea of well it's obvious when you learn about bitcoin that people are talking about how that how they're trying to grow it how they're trying to get people to adopt it how they adopted it and it's just implicit that, okay, well, as more people adopt it, it's going to go up in price, like very simply. And since it's this type of asset that people want to hold for the long term, they don't want to sell. And there's actually all these memes about how they don't want to sell and how they're not going to sell. Like, you know, that was kind of the spark for me where it's like, wow, you know, like I could, I could have a wealthy future here just by being early and like saving really smart. And so that was, that was kind of just my personal incentive to, to draw me in, but um, it was really listening to Andreas Antonopoulos and some of his early videos back in the day that really like 
spoke to me on a new level and got me diving in a whole lot deeper. And I just loved how um, Andreas focused on the unbanked and those who struggle because of, of our monetary paradigm. And I'd never, I'd never thought about those people, or, or I had thought about those people, but I'd never thought about what the ailments they really were suffering. I just would imagine, you know, all of the all of the people in, in Africa and India that are starving that don't have access to what I have access to. And I would feel equal parts guilty and like mad at my country and mad at the world and mad at the sky, you know, like, but um like seeing that framing from from Andreas, I realized that like this is this is a solution for these people. And I started thinking about that that person that, that hypothetical person that has has nothing and is and is trapped in the third world. And you know, with Bitcoin, I saw that like if I'm that person, I have I have access to the global markets. I can just I can just step out of my situation if if I have the merit to do so, um, or if I can provide value um, enough to do so. And and you you hear about these stories of like the the women escaping, I think Iran or something like earning Bitcoin, it's like very long ago, but I heard these stories and this reconciled kind of my new developed mindset with my values that have been there the whole time. And I realized that actually the, the truer embodiment of my values was kind of the opposite of, of what I was leaning into before and what I saw before, what I, what I wanted to happen before, you know, I was I was very into like um, democratic socialism and stuff like that and UBI. And I realized I was like, I, you know, I care about the same things. I still have these values that are within me, but they're better manifested through Bitcoin. And that really completed the picture for me. Cause that's, you know, that's like, that's my incentive. And then that's my meaning and that's my calling. And that, yeah, that, that kept me going with kind of a whole new level of seriousness than I had before. Very well said. Before we extend on on that to kind of up till now, but you mentioned that a number of your family members had struggled with substance abuse and you know the related psychological you know components of that or whatever. Um, what do you think it is about you or your mindset that allowed you to not fall into the same situation? I actually think it's um, luck. I, I don't think I have any merit for not ending up there. And um, I have the most empathy for my brothers for that reason, because I was, um, I'm the youngest. So I watched my father and then I watched them go through that journey. And I knew that that was just a clear signal for me to do the opposite. And so I stayed away from drugs for a very, very long time, like all throughout my, my teen years. And I kind of like looked down on people who, who, you know, smoked weed or anything like that. Um, I didn't realize at the time it was just kind of my own internal pain that, that I needed to work through that was just coming out in that kind of way. But, you know, I, when, the more I look back and the more that I grow, the more that I just feel like, you know, I just got lucky. There's no reason why that wouldn't have been me. Did, you know, you mentioned how, and it's so interesting to the way you put it in terms of how like you had these sort of for you know a broadly speaking compassionate heart you know you wanted people other people to be doing well and to suffer less hardship 
and I guess the philosophies that prevailed or that were available in the culture were always these, you know, again, to batch everything together, these like left-leaning ideologies. And that's how you fix the inequities of the world. And that you came to seeing that, in fact, it was almost the opposite, but, you know, the, 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 the values and the potential represented in Bitcoin were actually the best ways to rectify these issues. And of course, I'm sure that stimulated a lot of additional nuance into how these issues are generated in the first place and why they come about and why people are in this situation. But I mean, at that time, when, when that kind of clicked for you, we talked about alienation at the beginning, like, was that a difficult, because I presume you had at least some of a peer group that thought in the same way that you did. And like, how, how did that dynamic play out? Yeah. I mean, I was pretty terrified. Um, I was afraid of what I was watching and listening to as far as I was afraid uh, people would find out. Um, like, I remember feeling paranoid about my YouTube history, like of all the, wow. the Jordan Peterson videos I was watching or all the lectures or anything. And, and really, I didn't have a, my mind wasn't made up at that point. I was just like, I'm going to try and grab all of the best ideas from the happiest, most successful seeming people that I can and just and just work through them. And, and that was kind of happening alongside with me discovering Bitcoin. But yeah, I mean, I was, um, you know, like at the, at the, at the bleeding edge of, of that progression where, you know, the people, a lot, a lot of the people I was around, like they would see, you know, if you, if you have, if you're a conservative or have any conservative ideals, like you'd be seen basically as a racist or, you know, um, someone less than moral just by default. And so to even start to look into these ideas and play around with them was, was dangerous. And I felt that danger immediately. And I felt that resistance. Um, luckily, my, my closest group of friends and like the band that I've been in for a really long time um, called The Tooth, they're amazing people. And, and they have like always kind of been along with me. And it took a while for me to kind of start to open up and, and share with them how it's changing in this new direction I wanted to go and all of that. But, you know, still it's, you're in, you're in an opposite world at that point. And really the, the hardest thing out of all of that was my, my girlfriend at the time, who's, who's now my wife. And she was just bought into that world all the same as I was. And so now I'm going on this, just like cosmic hero's journey completely alone. And then I'm supposed to just like go back to her and like act normal and act like I'm not having my foundation shaken. Right. And, and it was hard. And I was like, I, I don't know what's going to happen here. Cause I'm, I'm pursuing truth and I'm not going to stop that. But like, I don't know if she'll come along and ride with me. And I mean, one of, one of the most amazing things that's happened in the fruit, just, just seeing the fruit itself from, from Bitcoin is seeing her go down that journey years after me. And and she she did, and she's she's a full full on Bitcoiner now. She holds her own keys, um, and she actually wrote an article about her journey um, in Citadel Twenty One. It's called "How a Lefty Became a Maxi," and she she's a, an amazing writer. So she has better words than I do, but um, a lot of her journey mirrors mine in kind of encountering these beliefs and having them having the rug pulled out from under them 
which is what Bitcoin does. And so, yeah, it was, that was one of the hardest parts of it. And it, it was also hard because it's like, I don't know anyone in my whole world that for one is interested in this, but for two has even really done anything with technology or I hardly, I hardly knew anyone that had left Oklahoma. Um, that was just like, so this was so far outside of my world, you know, just the, the isolation is, it's crushing at times, but, um, you know, something has to be good enough. There has to be enough breadcrumbs on the trail to really keep you going down a path with so much resistance. And that's exactly, you know, what Bitcoin did for me. That's awesome. Um, what do you think it is? Like, do you have any special insights about that cohort or demographic of people, uh, referring to the people whom you were a bit afraid of them finding out that this change was occurring in you, you know, again, broad brushstrokes, but like people on the far left, let's say, um, what do you think? I mean, have you, based on your experiences, yours, your wife's, your friends, what was the, the, the turning point that allowed them to be open to and inevitably shift their perspective or way of thinking from that to, for lack of a better term, or perhaps there is no better term than a Bitcoin or perspective? <laughs> yeah, I mean, for, for a lot of my friends, it's, it's been just more of a compromise. We, they, they understand why I'm into it and, you know, they, they don't judge me for what I'm into. They're, they're actually, they're stoked on it. So that's, that's all fine and good, but they're not really um, going down the rabbit hole themselves as much as I, you know, try and check in every few months and, and have that conversation. But yeah, um, you're asking like, what, what is the insights I have for, for like those people and getting on that path? Yeah. I mean, cause it happened to you and your wife and some of your friends, but like, you know, cause the reason why I'm asking is because so many people obviously are in that category today. And I think we would both agree that that's not a healthy perspective to have if one is trying to build the most successful, healthy life for themselves, their family, their community, et cetera. You know, and that's, there's an assumption wrapped up in that. And I'm sure many people would, would debate that, but for the sake of us being on, or because we're both on the same page, I think in terms of Bitcoin and, and the, the benefits it represents in terms of one's changing one's perspective, like, what do you think is the blockage? Why they might not be able to change their perspective? Yeah. So I actually really do think that um, the blockage is simply the difficulty to dive in deep enough to have their presuppositions question or to question them. Because I believe that, at least from the perspective I had, um, Bitcoin checked all of those boxes for the values, for, for what I wanted to happen in the world and what I wanted to happen in myself and, and other people. Um, it took a long time to realize that though. it's, it's not obvious on the surface level, but I realize, you know, all these things, I'm a sensitive person. Um, I think that a lot of people who are on the creative side of things, um, they're usually, they're more disorderly. Um, they're more, they're more sensitive and, um, and that's where a lot of people on the left find themselves. And, and so like, I had that heart. And Bitcoin showed me that like, you know, um, it's a more effective way of, of reaching out with, with care and compassion into the world in a way that you can never really have that impact on your own. Um, and there's kind of a collectivized aspect to it as well, which I'm much, much more bearish on, on 
the collective, but the collective is necessary. And I was very bullish on the collective at that time. And so, you know, I saw Bitcoin, it's like this, it's this democratic collective, it's spreading, it's, it's bringing positive things to the world, taking power away from the powerless, you know, and sorry, power away powerful. from the powerful, giving it to the powerless. And it's like, is that not what we want? You know, is that not exactly what we want? And, and when you really start to think about money, you're like, well, how many things does money touch? like everything (laughs) so Mm -hmm. you can't really analyze from that perspective you pull it back down and you you kind of realize money touches like 50 percent of everything and so you're like well you know be kind of foolish to think this has no impact whatsoever on all of those things that come further down the line and i started to realize that money actually comes before even the nation itself it comes before a lot of things and, and you track that, that, that journey of money back and you end up in the tribe somewhere and you realize that, oh, wow, we're dealing with something much more fundamental, a, a fact of who we are. And since Bitcoin is like dealing with that fact, accepting it, embracing that fact of, of the value that emerges from the individuals, the fact that we, we, we all have our own sense of value and what we see and that we need to collaborate and communicate that value over to each other in order to essentially specialize and make and make things more productive. Um, you build up from there, and you're and you're like, okay, this is how we got here. If we're if we're drifting from this truth and trying to do a totally different paradigm after the fact, like we're gonna have the worst results. So it, it was really just a Lindy type of thing um, that spoke to me there. So. I mean, I'm kind of, I'm kind of ranting a lot, but it, it really just comes down to the fact that like those values that you have, those things that you want to see in the world, like Bitcoin is a- actually addresses them in a way that you can't really imagine until you dive pretty damn deep. Right. And, and yeah. you won't come out the same. <laughs> yeah. No, I, well said again, and I agree. And, you know, it's with, with the people in that collectivist mindset. I mean, so often it seems like their heart is in the right place, but to me, it seems like two things get in the way. One is their ego. You know, I think they have a bit of a savior complex. They think that the solutions that they have devised are, are the best and therefore they should be imposed or accepted by others. And I think there's a, you know, a fundamental flaw in that reasoning. But the other one is that it seems like the mechanism by which they want to impose or, you know, uh, to put it a little bit softer, like roll out their solutions on the world is the very same mechanism that they claim to be against, which is, you know, one of complete control. And as a result, the ability to do that, you know, that they miss the emergent ground up order that can be derived when things are predicated on the proper principles and values. And they, you know, so, and they just think, you know, uh, it's a top-down sort of solution to things. And I think that's where they get in trouble and why the outcomes of when they do get their way are not nearly as rosy as they uh, anticipate or espouse when they're first attempting to gain the influence in order to roll them out or to implement them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And I, and I love and the framing of, of top-down versus bottom-up. And this has been something that's just so clarifying for me and just you chunk it down to that concept and you look at the world through that filter and it's just, you see so much truth doing that. And 
And what I didn't understand at the time, and I think most people don't understand about some of these ideologies, <clears throat> specifically communism, socialism, stuff like that, it's like, we, you imagine it's like the workers were rising up as a collective, it's bottom up, but it's like, no, this is top down. This is actually the most ferocious kind of top down order and ruling and enforcement by violence or the threat of violence. Um, and like, are you, are you gonna defend that? Like, how, how, can you, how can you really defend that um, when you have this whole community way of seeing the world, bottom-up way of seeing the world, which, which I think they do. They do have this bottom-up way of seeing the world. A lot of them, or at least a lot of the mo more radical um, people that I was interacting with. Um, and so, yeah, to really learn about that stuff, they, they don't teach us that stuff. They don't teach us about communism. They don't teach us about socialism. Um, we learn, we learn about um, Hitler. We learn about what happened to the Jews, concentration camps. We learn about that a lot, but mm. what happened in Russia is, is so important and it's insane to me. I'm just really learning about these, these things over the last two to three years, digging into um, Solzhenitsyn and the Gulag Archipelago. And what I see there is truly the most hellish thing I can imagine. And absolutely a a reason an incentive to push the world in this direction where the individuals are empowered more than ever and are sovereign more than ever um and so like i see i see that as this what's at stake here um like we need to invest in the individual because the other direction is the top down onto the collective and so yeah i'm I'm, I'm really deranged about that specific topic because I, I just can't believe what happened. You know, there's a cannibal island. Like, you never heard about that, you know, in school. Like, that's, that seems bad enough that that seems important enough. Or the gulags of tens, tens of millions of people going through them and most of them dying just by how they are treated there. Mm. Like, that, that's been just so impactful for me to read about that. And it's had me kind of dig deeper into these these kind of foundational almost austrian economic um I ideals that we see at the root of bitcoin and what it's tapping into um for one like a value coming from the individual but like the key line from that book is solzhenitsyn says is that the the line between good and evil crosses through the heart of every man and like i love that line it's it's so perfect because because you see that because you realize like i could be that person i could be that complete nihilistic mess who not only throws my life in the gutter, but pulls others down with me. Mm -hmm. And then what's on the opposite of that? And that, that's something that Peterson says about like networks. He gives the analogy of networks. Like you're not just one person. You're one person connected to five people, connected to five people, you know, you're, you're squaring it. So like what you do has an outsized network effect on all of the people around you. And that, that actually flips it to where it's like, it's your responsibility to, to deal with that reality and make the most of it and do the best for yourself. And then, you know, making your own bed and then for the, in turn, for the people all around you. Um, and so a lot of things on that, but it's just like those, those truths are self-evident and we, as a culture, as a world, we need to rediscover those truths. And I hope we don't have to do it the hard way. Yeah. I couldn't agree more with that. And, you know, on the one hand, people falling into making those same mistakes over and over can be somewhat forgiven because as you mentioned, it's so 
sparsely covered in our education you know like where where in our education do you learn about the history of money and the consequences of different forms of money and how money has been corrupted through the ages i mean it's just not there right you just learn about supply and demand economics and then your currency is the us dollar the canadian dollar the aussie dollar the euro whatever and it's it's not given a second notice when you know, I think we can make a strong case that that's the primary mechanism that allows these catastrophes to unfold because of the power granted to those who can control that mechanism. And so even if our future doesn't have more education on these uh, subjects in them, although I'm almost certain they will, because if the few, if we're moving into a, a Bitcoin denominated or hyper Bitcoinized future, then there's going to be value placed on understanding the mistakes we made in the past and how to avoid making them again in the future. But I think it's also an incredible boon, which is why so many of us are excited about Bitcoin, that now we have a form of property that cannot be violated. So even if you don't, if you, even if you didn't learn the mistakes of history, we're now in such a different paradigm that you needn't necessarily understand the pitfalls of, of you know, allowing your money to be co-opted if by default you're, you've established an inviolable property relationship with your, with your money as a result of it being the de facto money or currency in your in the system or in the world. And so that's tremendously hopeful for, you know, avoiding some of those mistakes of the past. But as we all know, we're not out of the woods yet and there's, there's still much to be determined. Um, yeah. What, you know, bring me back up to this, this process you're going through and, and you, you came to understand Bitcoin and start reframing, you know, your, perception of the world and your image of yourself in the future and what you wanted to achieve. I mean, where is that today? Because I think, again, we all know that it doesn't stop, right? These like sort of epiphanies and insights and the way they impact you and reorient you. I mean, maybe it even accelerates, you know, it's, that seems to be the case for me. Like, it's just, it's just a constant, uh, seemingly a constant stream of these insights that they just, you know, modify your perspective here and here and there, and then it changes your behavior. And then based off the back of change behavior, circumstances changes, and it just, you know, keeps rolling. So bring me up to uh, today in this journey that we've been exploring. Yeah. Um, everything is on the up and up. Like that's, <laughs> as I've, as I've leaned in more, I've, it's not that everything has um, been ideal, but uh, I've gotten better. I felt better. I've, I've done more things and better things and just generally had, had more capability to, you know, for one, be a person that can just take care of myself, which in a lot of ways, I'm still learning that. Like I'm still making up for a lot of these, um, traits that I accumulated throughout my, you know, childhood and young adulthood. And it's hard. And, you know, I see it in the truth that it is now. And, and there's still a ton of growth. Like I'm, I'm, I'm still so early in the way that I see it, but from where I've come from, I, I feel like a completely different person. So, you know, there's, there's no ceiling. Right. But it's also like, there's, when you have a starting point, um, that's, that's the motivator right there. When you have a starting point and maybe when you have some kind of goal that you want to reach and, you know, that's, that's kind of how I framed things. Like once, once I knew I wanted to get fully into Bitcoin and whatever way that meant, I knew like, okay, I have this future value in mind. I have this place I'm coming from, you know, like I want to be the person that, that lifted myself out of the situation. Like I want to be that person so bad. Um, and, and I just started to build up that identity. And, and so I, you know, I spent a year, a year and a half, probably just 
learning more about Bitcoin and exploring everything that I could possibly do in it. Um, and I went down a, a, a lot of bad paths doing that, you know, like shit coins, because when I got into Bitcoin, it was right as we were approaching 10,000 for the first time. And so, you know, that was, that was the peak of the hype and the mania. And, you know, I heard about Ethereum and the world computer sounded so cool and it was naturally attractive to me. And, and actually this is something I kind of want to touch on later about why, why this other side of, of cryptocurrency is so attractive to most developers, most junior developers or people entering the space versus Bitcoin. But I mean, luckily when I learned about these things, I already had a pretty solid foundation with Bitcoin um, and from an incentive level, like I believed in in long-term and then from a value level. And so, you know, I wasn't going to be shaken. I, I wasn't going to have my, my sats shaken off of me, but nonetheless, I, I tried to trade. I tried to you know, do long-term investing in it or, or whatever, which is, there's no such thing in the shitcoin markets as long-term investing. It's only, it's only getting rug pulled, but, um, you know, like I, I tried to do that because I thought, you know, this is, this is what I see a lot of people in the Bitcoin and the crypto space doing. You don't, you don't really, as soon as you type in Bitcoin and, and, and start typing in that stuff on the internet, you just get this complete shit coming at you, mostly influencers and youtubers and traders and all of that so you know i i was on twitter always lurking and i just over time just parsed through those people parsed through and parsed through them until you find those really high signal people that that speak to you in a different way and like obviously andreas was one of those people for me but also i think i think Gigi was was one of the first like real hardcore bitcoin maximalists i followed on twitter and i just i loved I love the way that he saw things and talked about things. I was like, I admire that. And I don't admire this actually, if I think about it, <laughs> but you, you have that attractive, whatever trading vision and what you can do in the future. And I thought that would be my high agency way of kind of getting ahead. And so, you know, had to get a little bit wrecked um, for that to learn my lesson. And I did, but um, since I was, you know, I had that foundation of Bitcoin, like I, it didn't scare me away. I still had nearly all of my Bitcoin and was planning on holding it. Um, and so I was like, okay, what, you know, what else can I do? I thought about writing, um, you know, recording podcasts. I thought about just doing everything. Like what can I possibly do to get involved with Bitcoin? And just more and more like this, this idea of like software, it's like, Hey, this is, the software, there's an obvious thing that you can, you can do here. Um, but I didn't even want to think about that because that just seems so hard. Mm. But once I kind of exhausted most of my other options, I was left thinking just like, okay, you know, I'm so inspired by this. I love to learn about the way it works. I want to help its growth. Like, I, I think I need to start considering, you know, trying to, trying to become a developer and that was probably in mid 2018, something like that when I, when I started on that. And so, yeah, I mean, from there, I just went on like the most rough and tumble unoptimal journey <laughs> to, to where I am today. Um, you wanted just yeah. to, to clarify, you wanted to learn like software engineering by itself, or you wanted to actually learn how to like be a developer on Bitcoin? Well, originally be, be a developer on Bitcoin. Cause I was like, well, that's what I want to work on. So I'm going to go be a developer on Bitcoin. 
and you start to look into the resources and look at what's out there. And I realized like, whoa, this is, this is a bit out of my depth. Um, I had no idea really how out of my depth it was. I couldn't have even imagined at the time. Yeah. And so really I just started learning some basic programming with Python, took Udemy courses online, stuff like that. Struggled, failed, gave up, hated myself so much that I went back to it two weeks later, tried again, kind of went through that journey uh, for a little while on my own. And every time I kind of went back to Bitcoin to like see, you know, is there anything I can understand here, anything I can can contribute to it was just like so much every time and and i didn't see a way to approach bitcoin it seemed like there was just this, this big wall around it um and so kept on trying to learn on my own and um at one point you know and, and throughout this process i th this is important is my job at the time i was a delivery driver jimmy johns for six years and so i would five six days a week i would just be in my car um driving, delivering sandwiches all day. And, and I would just listen to podcasts and podcasts and lectures. And I was learning about, you know, fundamentals of computer science. And I was learning about Bitcoin. And I was learning about economics and history and, and all of these things. Like really my whole education has come after Bitcoin and come through the framing of Bitcoin. And it made it exciting and, and clarifying to do that. And so it's I was just learning great, great job to have just to plug yourself into the matrix of learning about all this stuff every day. It was amazing. And, <laughs> and I, I really started to realize that too. It's like, wow, I am in an incredible position right here because I'm, I'm young and I've got all of this time and I'm learning all the stuff that's so important and high leverage. I really felt it at the time. And, and at the same time I was, I was stacking sats with my, my meager salary with my tips. I would, you know, set aside $10 every day uh, of my tips and I'd buy Bitcoin with it and would just do that just religiously. Um, and to this day, like still most of my Bitcoin is accumulated <laughs> under that meager salary. And, and so, yeah, like it was, it was a huge opportunity and it was a job that I got just because I didn't want to do anything because I wanted to do as little as possible. But once you're ready to do something, that's actually an advantage because it's like, I've got mm. all of this time and, you know, I would deliver to all of these, these people in these offices, these business people, and, and just like the contrast of what I was going through and what I was seeing in these just like dead offices, with these people that hated themselves. Like I really saw that most people hate themselves and have built their own hell and they haven't made it. And that is absolutely terrifying. And no one ever told me that. Mm. <laughs> like I kind of realized that by, by interacting with the world. And maybe that's a bit of a hyperbolic view, but that I've really, that's really stuck with me. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, that with that kind of education foundations coming into place, I, you know, started to get more serious and, and considered college. And that would be the next kind of difficult phase of my journey. <clears throat> but um, yeah, I, I was starting to think about college. I was thinking if I'm going to work on Bitcoin, I need to understand computer science from its like foundations. I need to understand it in a fundamental way. And so, you know, it seemed like the option. Um, but there was a lot of stuff to do before getting there. So I really started to build this internal identity for myself. And in this whole time, I was really starting to build this, this ideal identity of, of my future self in this state where, where I've made it to being software engineer and where, you know, I'm changed by Bitcoin and I'm more capable and, and all of these things. And, 
And this image, it just built up more and more and more. And I just became obsessed with it. And, and so I was like, I have to do this. I have to be the person that makes this journey. So, um, so the first thing to do was get my, my high school diploma. So I was, I was 23 at the time and I started, I started studying in, in my free time and I had to start from middle school math. Like I was trying to think of like, what is the last math I, I like remember and I know how to do. And it was long division. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go to long division. I'm going to start there and I'm going to work up to college. And so that was really freaking hard. Um, my, my wife who, who had gone to college and is like great at academics, she helped me a lot, but it was extremely difficult. It took four months just to get my um, high school diploma. And, and when I got, that's one of the things I'm still I'm most proud of. Cause that was the moment it was like, okay, I've, I've done something tangible that I would have never done before. And like, now I have to keep on going. And so um, I enrolled in Oklahoma City Community College. Uh, I was still working and, and going there. Um, and <laughs> I had an amazing first programming course with an amazing professor who had an impact on me. And he was kind of too good to be teaching that course, actually. But this, this was really cool for me. I'd never talked to anyone else who programmed. I, I didn't really know anyone else who programmed. So to be in a class full of people, like it was so invigorating. And about halfway through that class, I look ahead at my curriculum in college and I start looking at the technologies and the classes I'm taking. And I realize, like, hmm, this is, this is looking like a waste of time. <laughs> this is looking like it's not going to work out. Um, it, there's kind of a trope or a cliche of the CS grad the computer science graduate who doesn't know how to code. And I didn't want to be that. And I could see myself easily like being good at academia because that's what I was, this was the new skill I was trying to learn, being good at homework, being good at checking boxes. And I could easily see that like, I could go down this path and be good at that, but I might be missing these, these fundamental skills I'm really trying to make. So I asked my professor about these classes and what he thought about them and what I wanted to do. And he was kind of like, yeah, I mean, this, these classes probably won't help you do that. And honestly, you can, you can probably learn this um, on your own if you have good teachers and if you do projects and stuff like that. And it was really amazing that he told me that um, because I knew at that point I needed to take a different direction. And so that was after like a semester and a half and I didn't know what I was gonna do at all. And, I felt really bad, but my mind was open once again. I was searching, looking for any opportunity. And um, I found a boot camp called Lambda School, which lets you, it's in a longer intensive program that's about a year long. And they let you take it up front without paying anything, entering what's called an, basically an income share agreement, which is where if you graduate and you get a job making at least 50K a year, then you have to start paying back your loan. Otherwise you do not. So this, this was a huge opportunity. I didn't have any money. I was already in debt from college. So I, I saw this, I looked into it. As soon as I saw it was like the real deal, I was just right after it um, and applied and emailed them again and again, just like wanting them to pick me so bad. And, and uh, as soon as I got accepted, I, I dropped out of college. So, so then I was a high school and a college dropout from that point. I was kind of like, okay, didn't expect, didn't expect to end up here. Um, but it was absolutely the right decision because I would, I would be in my second year of college or something now. And, and now instead I'm 
just finished my first year at my, my first software job. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll stop there. So you did the year at the Lambda bootcamp thing, right? Yep. And, and you came out of that and put some resumes around and you got, you got a job. Is that what happened? Yeah, basically um, it was, it was a little bit different because Lambda school was a great option for me, but what they were teaching was web development and I'd never really thought about web development and I didn't think it applied too much to Bitcoin, but I felt that I had no options and I was like, okay, if I can learn this, this sector of software, then I can, I can jump over to Bitcoin eventually. And so that was kind of my plan. So I, um, I went to Lambda really, I, I struggled through in a lot of ways. I wasn't the most excellent student, but I ended up getting chosen or asked if I wanted to work for the school as, as what's called a team lead, which is basically, you know, kind of a small group lead that helps you um, go through the curriculum and helps you with your problems. And because I was just, I was consistent, I showed up, I talked to everyone. They, they thought I was a great person. So they chose me and I did that. And that's where I really got to see other people kind of going through their software journeys and how, you know, how they experience it and the things that they have to work through in order to make it. And this really started to just inform all of these ideas in my mind that have kind of built up to, to, to where I am today. But yeah, so I, I did that um, while I was finishing my student status. And then I actually got laid off um, before I finished. And so I got laid off and I had to go back to Jimmy John's full time. And so I was kind of finishing the last part of my journey while, while still working the subpar job and not motivating. And it took me like seven months of applying and hundreds of applications to be able to get this position. But I did it and, you know, it was a crazy long journey. And as soon as my, my second day on the job, I was instantly just like, I'm afraid of becoming, um, nascent here like i need i need to keep on this journey i need to remember what i'm doing this for because in a lot of ways i've made i've made the full journey now that everyone wants to make and i'm working at this startup that if you're in fiat world you know that this is a guaranteed way to wealth it's a guaranteed way to become a millionaire you know get in a startup early and just do hard work and stay there and accumulate all the stock you can but just for right from the beginning i was like no i have to i have to keep on approaching Bitcoin and, and trying to be able to work with it in any way I can. And so I've built a number of projects that have kind of built up to, to me being able to even approach Bitcoin. And I'm now really, and, and it's why I've taken on the name Bitcoin Pleb Dev. I'm just, I'm just now in these, in these first stages of learning Bitcoin development at the fundamental level. Um, I've been in the base 58 course that's hosted by Nifty and Stackmoto. It's kind of like a Bitcoin protocol course. And so been learning that um, along with doing other projects and I'm starting to write now I'm writing about my journey and I'm trying to write um, for, for the other, the, the other plebs that are trying to become devs or are on their path to become devs. And like, that's, that's where my heart has really grown um, as far as like how I want to interact with people. And then, and then just the fact that I want to see Bitcoin grow and us have a successful Bitcoin future that we're imagining. And so, yeah, that's kind of a, it's kind of a quick glide over that whole part, but there was, um, there was a lot that happened in there for sure. <laughs> yeah, man, that is so fucking awesome. 
well done, man. Cause I'm sure, you know, like when you, when you tell, when you tell stories like this and, and you say like, yeah, that six or seven month period was really tough. And then it led into this other thing. Like in the, when you hear it in story form, it's just like, Oh, it's, you know, one of those little dips in the story. But like when you're living it and for six or seven months of your life, like tough means not happy stress in life arguments, like, you know, concerns, anxiety, stresses of various kinds, like to, to be able to persist through those things is like, is no small accomplishment, you know? So you know, I, I want to say great job on, on, on doing that and staying the course. And, you know, it's almost like low time preference for the win, right? Like you just, your eye is on the long-term prize and, you know, whatever slime or sludge you got to crawl through in order to get there, you seem to be committed to doing it, which is, you know, in, incredible. I love to hear it. Um, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's been weird and I haven't been the greatest you know there's other people that take this journey and they do it twice as fast as me and then make twice the impact that i do in that period of time um like i remember reading these blogs of like you know my my zero to develop my zero to bitcoin developer story where you know someone is contributing to bitcoin core in a year and a half and it was just like that's not me man like i'm <laughs> i identify with the left side of the bell curve you know like and, that, and that's why i call myself pleb dev is like i'm I'm not the, I'm not the greatest learner. I'm not really inclined for this, but like, I'm passionate about it and I care. And I'm just trying to become a one X dev. Like obviously Bitcoin, we need, we need, and we want 10 X devs, but we also need thousands of one X devs who are plebs who can help polish and maintain and help just fill out the, the gaps in this whole, you know, digital economy that, that we're trying to build in this whole, uh, software landscape that we're trying to make possible for people. And so, yeah, that's what, that's what pulls me forward is like, I just, I want to get to one X dev, you know, be able to make some kind of an impact and, and I want to help others or cl collaborate with others, whatever, connect with others who are on that same journey. Yeah. That's awesome. And I can't remember, you know, who to attribute the quote to, but it's something to the effect, like if you can find the why you can bear almost anyhow, you know, something like that. And, and Bitcoin is obviously becoming, an extremely powerful why for so many of us. And again, like I think this is when we conjure up these notions of a renaissance happening, right? And we look back at a prior quote unquote renaissance period and we see the art, we see the architecture and we see the culture and you can begin to appreciate how that all that stuff came about because all that stuff requires a tremendous amount of dedication and devotion and work and time and energy. But you can see how when, you know, when the object of, of, of your purpose or meaning is so powerful that how it instills and inspires the actions required to bring about such things in in the people that are involved in them and i definitely see that happening with bitcoin speaking of which, i mean this is somewhat of a somewhat of a tangential or a related topic to that you know what i just said and you know if you don't have anything naturally to say about it of course you, you don't have to but you mentioned way back at the beginning when you first started on you know listening to peterson and imagining the type of life that you wanted um, and the different areas that like the different things you felt you had to integrate to get there. God was one of them. And you said, you know, whatever you, however you define God or anything like that. And, you know, I've been talking a lot lately about the notion of God and the highest value and the, and, and truth and meaning. And again, Bitcoin inspires these sorts of things because you dig down far enough and you kind of wind up in this territory. And I'm just wondering if you had anything, you know, noteworthy to say about that in terms of your 
journey that you've been on? Yeah, I mean, definitely. Um, and really the only words I've said this more and more lately, the only words I've had to tell people um, what I'm doing is that like, I feel like God is laid out a path for me. And, and most recently, like since I, even before I got this job, I was feeling called towards Austin, Texas. And so I was looking for jobs in Austin, Texas. And I just felt that I needed to end up there. And as soon as I started my job and like my first week, I was telling them like, Hey, you all have anything in Austin going on? Is there any people there? And they're like, yeah, you know, there's a few employees, but we don't have an office. And, and I just like throughout the year, just kept on talking about this, kept on talking about this and manifested this idea. And, and now I'm just about to move there. And, and I'm so excited to connect with, with everyone there because what they're doing there is just truly amazing. Um, but, and, and yeah, I feel like I don't know what else it is that has, has put that on my heart and made me feel so pulled in that direction. Um, some kind of fundamental truth, which, or the most fundamental truth, you know, which that's what God is. And so, yeah, like I've, I've thought about this a lot more and, and something really interesting that I've learned being here in Utah is, um, well, my wife has, has befriended some, some people who were from here and previously Mormon. And, and we've had lots of discussions with them about kind of the Mormon church and the culture they have here. It, it, it's a very interesting topic to like think about and cause you're kind of like really disgusted by a lot of things, but then you like see the merit and other things at the same time. It's, it's quite strange, but something that really framed um, God and Christianity for me in a new light was I was talking to one of these people and I asked her, um, you know, like, do you need the Mormon church? Do you need like the central body Mormon church to understand the doctrine and or know if you are saved and she was like yeah you do so i was like you can't it's not on your own and this contrast immediately had me remembering all these things i learned about christianity when i was younger that made me realize that it is a it is something that is bottom up because it is it says in the bible something about how it's a sin to kind of judge or assume someone else's salvation or their relationship with god whoever you are, right? So the implicit in that is that you as an individual, you have a direct connection to God and it is your responsibility to maintain that connection to God. And, and so that's a very different paradigm because if it's only the individuals from the bottom up, they have the, they have the connection to truth, then that means there is no, no, there is no other authority that can step between that, that, that has veto rights over that. Mm. And so that is, that was a huge clarifying thing for me where I saw that like, okay, there is, there's some deep truth here that I'm, that I'm digging into and, and um, reading, I didn't read the whole book, but like parts of the book maps of meaning. And you, and you realize how the, the thesis of that book is basically that we perceive the world through value. It's a value first. We think we're intellectual. We think we're logical. We're not, it's all value and the meaning the the valence of things. And, and you kind of build up this evolutionary perspective of how and why Christianity and God emerged with that kind of truth. And, and where I am now is somewhere in between, like, I see, I see like truth and mystery in, in God. And there's definitely something there. There's so much there, 
but at the same time, I also see how this reconciles my, my intellectual beliefs and evolution and all those things I learned about that felt very informative to me. Like I can see how these things are adaptive. Christianity is adaptive. It is a fit strategy. It is a very fit thing to do. If you, if you lean over your bed at night and you pray for courage for the next day, do you think the person who does that is going to, you know, have a bet, better odds than the person who doesn't? Mm. It's like you, you start to put these things together and you see what, how and why this is crafted over time. And then the fact that it's the core protocol or really just the core doctrine of Christianity, of Christ dying for our sins and, and the resurrection, like those haven't been messed with. That core protocol hasn't been messed with. The, the religion has forked off in many different, you know, like directions um, over that surface level stuff. But the, the core protocol has been the same. And, and I think one of the most important parts is the individual's responsibility and access to God or to truth. Yeah. I, again, I think so much of this is incredibly well put and yeah, I mean, there's, um, I agree with much of that. And I think, you know, the, the, what I often say when I break into these, um, topics either on my podcast or some others that I've been on lately is, you know, for a lot of people, these have been just, or in our modern culture, let's say, and, and we adapt so much of our, our culture de facto, uh, they've been dismissed far too early and with far too much arrogance and hubris, you know, yeah. just to think like uh, that you can dismiss 5,000 years of, of deep thought and observation and all of these things by saying like, what a silly story, like who's going to believe that? I mean, it's, uh, and Maps of Meaning is a great book uh, for helping to see through the veil of a literal interpretation of so many of these things and see why it is that value and meaning is so fundamental, perhaps the most fundamental, you know, and it's not just that people are using these stories to delude themselves. It's they're cohering with a truth that actually, as you say, allows them to be more fit for the world. And you have to reconcile with yourself the, the question of, well, why is that? If it's simply a delusion, why is it, tr why does it, uh, why is it true? Why does it, why does it uh, manifest benefits as a result of doing them? And, you know, I think one of the tricky aspects of, of wandering in these areas is that um, there's many different ways to be misled and there's many ways to jump off the journey too soon and just, you know, accept a given truth, whatever it might be, even if it's own, if, even if it's self-derived. And I think, you know, my approach and potentially what, Bitcoin is inspiring and many others uh, is like, don't, don't close the book, basically, like keep yeah. pursuing, because it may be the case that you will never know ultimate truth. It may be the case that you will never completely unify with the mind of God or whatever terminology we want to use, but there's great benefit to continuing to pursue it and being on that journey and getting closer and closer and closer and closer, and then embodying that and representing that and acting that out in your life. And it seems to me, and I know like I've, I'm self-selecting for this because it's such a keen interest of mine and I talk to people about it so much, but it seems to me that a lot of, in particular us Bitcoiners are starting to think in those terms and think about those topics and issues and try to figure out how they should be integrated into our perspective. Yeah, totally agree. And and you, you made me think of like a quote I heard recently, I don't remember who from, but it's like a definition of faith and that faith is like 
it's it's for one, it's an action, it's an active thing, but this person framed it as like wrestling with God, mm. wrestling with God or wrestling with the truth. And I think really every Bitcoiners is on that journey, wrestling in the truth. And when you do that and you go deeper and deeper down, you get to these foundational axioms that to the base can only be truth or God. Yeah. So you're like, okay, what, how do I wrestle with this? Like, how do I wrestle with, with gravity, with just the fundamentals of everything? And like, I don't, I don't know, but <laughs> like I have, I've never stopped um, being open and kind of just wrestling with those things and got into, you know, like different religious ideas at times, Eastern ideas and stuff like that. But yeah, just with, with Bitcoin, the impact it's had on my life, what I see in the world, like everything is pulling me back towards kind of the story of Christ and that framing of God, or at least the high, high signal that exists in that, whatever that means, because maybe that's not the most fun, fundamental piece, but nonetheless, that's what I find myself being more and more drawn towards. Um, yeah, and I think that's, uh, that's a great way of putting it because our language and our cultural circumstances and all that kind of stuff, it seems to me, if we look at throughout history, become the wrapper for those most salient ideas or powerful notions or ideas or, or principles. And it may be the case that they shift and change over the time. It may be the case that they, the, the same principles and ideas can be wrapped in different wrappers. And so again, like I think our task is to see the deepest truths that we possibly can. And then one, never stop trying to do that. And two, integrate what we find because, you know, and another kind of notion of faith is that maybe because you can never really know, and even though you could, you know, um, you could look at your life and say, well, things work out way better if I do it this way. So that's kind of affirmative in that way. But even if you can never really know, I think an element of the faith, faith is that that pursuit is good that you're, you're pursuing or, or attempting at least to move towards something that is good and to the extent that you can, and you can bring it in more into your life and into the world through you, then that is good as well. Yeah. It's a tried and true pursuit. It's just, it's pragmatic. It's practical. It's, it's optimal. You can see that in history and it's like, you don't have to buy, buy into everything. Maybe, maybe you will over time, but that's just more and more of what I see is the merit in it. Yeah. Um, Austin, this has been fucking awesome to speak with you, man. I, um, Likewise. I've, been, I've been loving every minute of it. Do you have anything else that you want to get off your chest before we shut it down? I mean, I'm sure we'll do another one of these at some point in the future. We'll have to you know, get another update in six to 12 months if you're up for it, but anything else you wanted to cover today? Yeah. Happy to do that. And, you know, I, my mind is loaded with all of these things I want to say about like the developer world and the developer ecosystem, but you know, um, I think that that would be best saved for another time. And I'm still, I'm still walking my journey and, and learning as hard as I can. So, you know, I just want to say like, thanks for having me on. Um, and like, you know, any of the, any of the plebs, the pleb devs, anyone out there, like if you're on the journey, if you're thinking about starting the journey, like I'd love to just connect with you, talk to you, hear your story, all of that. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's my piece. Well, I'm sure you'll get some of that, but uh, I wish you, I, I hope the move to Austin goes well. I can only imagine how much of a level up things are going to be once you're there and you're mixing it up with Bitcoiners all the time and there's so much going on. I'm, I mean, 
I'm excited for you because I know it's going to be a, a, a massive upgrade. So I hope that goes well. And Thank yeah, you. let's let's stay in touch and, and we'll talk again in the future. Let's do it. Thanks a lot, John. All right, brother. Take care. You too. See ya. Okay.